Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Uh, joining me, um, as always, is Risa. No Craig this time round, but he's going to be coming in on that show and going to be doing a little bit of a Deadpool discussion. Uh, talking about Deadpool, um, our guest interview later on is Kyle Cassie, who um, plays uh, a role in the new Deadpool, Deadpool movie. And the role he plays is actually, you know, the scene he plays is actually lifted directly from the Deadpool comics. It's the only scene in the entire movie lifted from the comics. So that's kind of cool. Um, but before we get to that, uh, Raisa and I are going to take you through some of the uh, recent happenings in TV land. And um, I think we should start with... Let's start with the Flash and Arrow, because I'm, I'm, not, up to speed. I'm not up to speed on them. No, well, um, where, where, where did you leave off in terms of the episodes that aired over there? At Christmas. <laughs> Oh, so so you 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 guys are like about three or four weeks ahead of us. Okay. Um. Well, let's see. I can't even remember that far back. Okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. We've we've started the new. We started the new season. And Rice is accessing the way way bat machine. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't even. I'm bringing my it's sound very, effects very here. Um, they've, they introduced uh, alternate worlds uh, because of the, the singularity that Barry opened last season. Mm-hmm. And so they have, we have alternate worlds in season two. And uh, as of the episode, last episode I saw, they actually went to Earth 2 and we met Killer Frost and Deathstorm. Cool. Yes, it was uh, it was awesome. It was it was very cool, I guess, too. Yes, and very cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, kind of chingy. And, uh, um, and, and they've kept the, the identity of Zoom, the, uh, the uh, evil speedster. Uh, a secret throughout the the season, and so there's been speculation that he's you know Earth to Jay Garrick because Jay Garrick is uh, a, a, a quantity in the narrative now, and so there's a, you know there are, are big clues that his identity as Jay Garrick might not be what it is, or something. There's something going on where he's got doppelgangers of his doppelgangers, and there are people in you know iron masks and things like that. It's very it's very mm, it's, ma- it's massive. I'm hoping it's not Jay Garrick because I like Jay Garrick as a I character. I like Jay Garrick. I like him a and, lot. And, you know, I just wish they'd give Jay Garrick his uh, original, sil- you know, his original sort of like Silver Age Flash powers back. They're 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 working toward it. They they got uh, they worked up to velocity six, seven, and eight, and then this last episode we had velocity nine. So they're working back up toward it. But um, because didn't Jay Garrett take that drug in, yes. in the episode way back, and it gave him his powers back for a little while? Yes, and now now they've got another iteration of it. And um, I'm I'm really hoping that uh, I don't often ship characters. I don't often watch the show for uh, that stuff. But I'm really hoping that Jay is not evil, or there's some twist to it because Caitlin has had a hard enough time as it is. And uh, so I, I kind of would like, even if they're not permanently a couple, I would kind of like them to go through whatever they're going through without him turning out to be evil or deadly mm. or some variation thereof, because she's yeah. had a hard enough time as it is. Yeah, but the thing but, is, Caitlin's going to break bad anyway, eventually. Not soon. Um, they For right now, they've had all of the Killer Frost stuff be Earth 2 Caitlin. And we meet Deathstorm, the Earth evil Earth 2 version of Ronnie, who, spoiler alert, doesn't survive uh, over there either. 
So, uh-huh. um, well, I think he's. I think that has uh, got a part in something else, hasn't he? Um... he? They killed him off. They killed him off initially the first time because he was busy and just couldn't didn't couldn't be scheduled for Legends of Tomorrow. Because originally, and he's talked about this in an interview. Originally, he was just going to be Firestorm, and they wanted him to be on Legends of Tomorrow. And but his schedule wouldn't allow for it, and so they thought the simplest thing to do would be to kill off Ronnie Raymond, who dies as a character anyway in the comics, and just replace him with another that half of of, of Firestorm. Mm-hmm. And they and they did that, and uh, and then he then he just periodically comes back for guest appearances, and that works. And uh, and so, but but the the logistical reality basically means that Ronnie draws the karmic short straw in every world apparently because Deathstorm ended up dead as well. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like South Park, isn't it? Yeah. You killed Ronnie! Again! <laughs> Again! You killed Ronnie! Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear me. So, what's going on in Arrow? Um... Uh, well, it, it depends on what you watch Arrow for. If you watch Arrow for um, the action hero... Um, action hero um, storylines. There's that going on. If you watch it for the Oliver um, and Felicity soap opera, there's that going on. I note the Oliver and Felicity soap opera, but I don't actually watch it for that. Um, the action storylines are going along quite well because um, uh, Damien Dark is a kick-ass villain. Damien Dark is actually a better villain than Casper Crump is as, uh, as Vandal Savage, which is very mm-hmm. sad. Because yeah. Vandal Savage should be awesome. Yeah, Vandal and, Savage should be awesome because he's awesome in the flipping comics. Yes. And I don't know if you've ever read the comics of Vandal Savage, but Vandal I, Savage... I haven't, but I've seen Vandal Savage in various uh, animated adaptations, and I know who he is. Oh, he's and a I'm, I'm very fond, I'm very fond of, of immortal characters generally. I'm very uh, cognizant of, of them in the various mm. comic book universes that I, that I encounter, and he's, it's, it's sad. Neil McDonough is wiping the floor. As a guest star, he wiped the floor with Casper Grubb. Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, you know, um, if Arrow was to ever ever become a musical, if they were ever to do a musical episode of Arrow, the whole uh-huh. plot would probably centre around um, around what, what's her name now? Felicity. Felicity Smoke. It all, all centre around Felicity Smoke, and they'd probably use a few Queen songs, you know, oh, such as, and you'd have Oliver singing to Felicity, bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. Sorry, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I can actually see that happening, you know. Um, but we just got to ask: uh, Can Can Oliver Queen carry a tune? Oh, actually, he can uh, because Stephen Amell has sung. Stephen Amell is in his own personal life. He's a bit of he's a uh, he's an awesome dad and a bit of a house husband. And he's actually um, he's actually sung Disney songs at conventions. Oh God! <laughs> so he can do it. That that is just um, you know if, if he's singing Disney songs at conventions, he's not singing Queen songs. I'm sorry, but. You know, Queen songs, whole different level. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that that's basically what would, what that would be is Arrow the musical. It, yeah. It, it all centre around Felicity Smoke. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last episode I seen, she died. She'd been killed. Well, she was just wounded, and she and they did a, a mini Oracle storyline, and I I mean very many in terms of like it's like three episodes because by the end of the third episode they hand her a a, a thing to to uh, stimulate. The, the neural impulses in her spine again. She's got to get it implanted, but she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna walk again by the end of the thing. And I'm sitting there watching this disability arc that isn't you know as a disabled person. And usually I, I just kind of laugh, laugh these things off at this point because the very idea of doing any kind of disability arc in, as as a subplot in a superhero show that's 42 minutes long. Um, they did about as well as they were going to do. Um, but she was so, up and walking inside of three episodes, I guess. She's she's not. She wasn't walking as of the end of this past episode, but she had the means to do so. And they mm. implied that she would be walking by the uh, by probably the end of the season. You know, what? if I was writing that series, you know, I'd have another villain come in, and just as she's starting to walk, I'd have this other villain shoot her in the kneecaps and say, "What now, bitch?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's so like, um, as you say, I should imagine as a as a disabled person, you kind of find it both kind of insulting and also funny. Yeah, it's it's both. 
there are two issues here. There, there are two there are two categories of wheelchair users. Wheelchair users like me with with birth defects or early childhood traumas. Basically, this is our this is a life or condition for us. Mm-hmm. And then you have the folks who are injured in the middle of their lives and have you know the injury to overcome. Felicity is supposed to be the latter category on speed. And part of the problem is a they don't do that well, and b they ignore those of us altogether who live with these disabilities our entire lives. It's like we they need the before and after. They need to overcome it. They need to be able to see the person walking or you know or or dealing with it. And then of course there's you know there's something like like uh, Dr. Wells you know on the Flash. You know he's both the evil crip and the fake. Crip, mm-hmm. you know, in season one, and I don't know if you know this, but evil crip and fake crip are two separate negative disability tropes. Yeah, it's, so it's kind of like uh, it's you know that's kind of sort of like um, it's kind of like we've got here. There's not a disability hate crime going on here at the moment because you've got uh, you've got people claiming you know employment support allowance, which is kind of like our version of disability. Yeah. And you know those that have hidden disabilities that sort of maybe can walk and look to all intents and purpose normal, but they've got some sort of mental health condition. I, I get get getting you know shit thrown at them because they're they're sort of like uh, view as a because they don't look disabled they're kind of like getting the snack yeah and yeah you know it's and also the you know but then again people that are actually actually have lifelong conditions or have suddenly become disabled are getting a bit of a bad time in the press as well yeah yeah no no, whatever whatever it is they're not and the the problem is that they're they're not in terms of the tv they're not malevolent they just don't either don't think it through or if they do they, they don't have time to think it through because like I said part of the problem is they're trying to convey these stories in as subplots of 42 minute long action adventure series I mean, before and there's, it, there's no way I mean, what would make interesting character be is for Felicity Smoke uh, in, her, in her lowest hour where she's uh, in her lowest hour of self-pity oh I can't walk and all this bullshit you know because she's so, like suddenly had this you know quite nasty injury and she's given up her hope it'd be interesting to actually have a character beat where she actually meets someone like you that's actually had to live with it most of your life. Yeah. All your life. All of my life. I went from a a stroller to a wheelchair at the age of four. Mm. So it's, it's all my life. And, and have have a scene where you give her a good talking to and tell her to pull yeah. her bootstraps up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like I haven't had my bad days. We all do. This sucks. It's not optimum. But in order to do it justice on episodic TV, you have to devote more than three episodes to it. And it needs to be the A plot, a plot not the B plot or the C plot. Mm. And that sort of scene has to happen. Yeah, it has to happen. You know, she she has to meet someone who's sort of like you know ha- had had a you know had to put up with being being sort of like um, not ambulant for all intents and purposes for, for all of their life. For life, for life. You know? This is you know this is this is my life, and your condition is your life. This is how it is. And that isn't conveyed. And when it is, and when they try, it isn't conveyed well. Yeah, what bugs me about TV is you, you know, so like uh, in recent weeks, we've had sort of like quite a few uh, people with Asperger's or autism pop up in 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 soaps such as Casualty. And what mm. really bugs me is they always they always go for the they always sort of like use for lower functioning people, mm. and not the higher functioning people. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's um uh, it's it's kind of a crock. They 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 always seem to to go for. For, for the for the most severe as opposed to you know the, the, the least severe mm, yeah you know yeah it's, it's almost as if they're trying to say there's only one level of this disability and you yeah know, yeah and it's and i think i think disability in general is just so nuanced that part of the problem is they're not doing it well and part of the problem is that they can't do it well within the medium they're trying to do it in mm-hmm. um I, I don't know how to i don't know how to rectify it because a lot of it is just logistical they're trying to balance too many story beats and these things need their own story beats. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always felt that they did it quite well with Livar Burton and Data in, in Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes, And that was yes. actually done pretty yes. well. But then again, that, that was a character throughout the entire series, I think. And, yeah. you know, I thought in terms of episodic TV and disability, one of the best episodes I ever saw um, for a guest character with a disability was that episode where Troy meets the deaf mediator prince 
Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. That that was that was pretty great. You know, the, the, you know, maybe, had a, a death factor for that. Maybe maybe um, the riders of Arrow need to start looking at Star Trek: The Next Generation yeah. and taking a bit of inspiration from those those yeah. particular things. But yeah, moving on. Um, before we go to Agent Carter, actually, um, I know you've not been watching this because you kind of either didn't bother or you kind of gave up on it after the first episode of the first season. Mm -hmm. But Gotham is really knocking out of the park at the moment. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, for, for me, anyway, and I'm not sure if uh, Craig would agree with me, but I've been watching the second season and, um, you know, they've, they've kind of like, uh, it's Rise of the Villains. Mm, yeah. And they've had the Joker character that killed him, sort of thing. So, so it wasn't actually the Joker, but it was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 looking at it. Um, I don't watch it, but from what I've the snippets I've seen and read about, my my entire issue with it is the only way this works is if Gordon becomes Batman first mm. in the, in this iteration and um, gets seriously injured. Yeah, and 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 then Bruce becomes Batman after him because mm. otherwise, what's what's going to be left for Bruce to do when he by the time he grows up? I, I think Alfred should become Batman while Sean Pertwee is still young enough to pull it off. Th that's also an option. I'm mm. actually surprised they haven't gone there. I'm sure Sean Pertwee would love it. Yeah. Um, and he sounds so like his dad. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's freaky. I, I can tell just listening to the snippets I've listened to. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, what to do with. I mean, the guy that plays uh, Jim Gordon in it, he's saying that you know he, he needs to get he needs to get to a point where Bruce Wayne does become Batman by the final series, if indeed it actually gets that far, because Bruce has sort of started his training. Yes, yeah. Um, but he's kind of getting distracted by you know those inconvenient uh, hormones, uh, yeah. hormones and uh, and bicycles, mm. which is kind of like a recurring theme in superhero shows. Yeah, my biggest problem is this is this seems to be systemic. Um, Legends doesn't have this happening. Legends of Tomorrow doesn't have this happening yet. I think that's probably because it's a limited series with a standalone story, but um, all of the shows seem to be morphing into these the soap opera versions of themselves, mm. and I just don't have the energy for it. True, but Gotham's got some. Gotham's got a really evil hot babe mm. who's into whips and, and chains and stuff. Oh like yes, that. So Tigress. Kind of, yeah, yeah, I've seen some bits and pieces with her. I'm, I'm kind. Know. I'm kind of into her at the moment, you know. Um, but do, you know. I'm saying how extreme, how extreme Gotham's got, you know, the Penguin sent his henchmen in there. And in order to try and get his henchmen to fit in with the uh, with Camp Evil, with Tigress and her, her brother sort of thing. Um, and the subplot is, is his family was, was sort of like disgraced by, by, by Bruce Wayne's family mm. long ago. And he's basing out for revenge. And... Um, as punishment, um, you know the the uh, the patriarch, of the, the 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 guy in charge of his family way back had his hand chopped off. Oh. And what what they did is Penguin, in order to sort of like have his henchmen fit in with you know try try and fit in with his family and incorporate you know, and sort of like uh, go undercover sort of thing. His Penguin mm. chopped his henchman's hand off. Wow. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's get it's get it's getting pretty dark and extreme. And also Edward Nigma, he he sort of like. Um, Ridder, um, mm. he's kind of like got it on with his uh, with his girlfriend, the, the girl that he was chasing all through series one. But in the, right. last, in the last episode, he just in that I seen, he's just admitted to her that uh, he murdered her ex boyfriend. Oh dear. <laughs> so, and you know, and that was sort of like pretty much in the scene after they'd sort of like uh, gone riding together mm. and rang each other's bells. Oh dear. Um, and you know, so you know, the thing is, you know, I think we're gonna have to have a word in Edward Nigma's ear, you know, never admit to anything after having, you know, having ridden your bicycle, dude. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and, and I'm kind of liking this bike analogy. It's yeah, yes, it works. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, I've I've been enjoying that. And um, Agent Carter, um, I'm only three episodes in. It's kind of slow. I, I have to say, I'm I'm actually kind of sad because Agent Carter overall is better than Agents of Shield, and it's doing it's not doing well on the ratings. And I'm afraid it might not get a season three. It's not getting a season three. It's already been announced that they're not renewing it. Oh. 
Um, I just chose not to cover it as a news story, so I'm kind of hoping that it does get renewed still. Yeah. But it's yeah. kind of more and less been it's more and less been announced that they're not going to be renewing it. Well, but I hope they at least finish out this end of the storyline. You know, that it doesn't end on a cliffhanger. Because even though even though you know from the films generally what happens to her, I I kind of got attached to the this, this early version of her. And I would hate to be just sort of left in the in the dirt there. I, d- I don't think that'll happen because they, they kind of wrapped up last year's story out, didn't they? So they'll wrap up this year's as well. True, true. Um, but what I'm hoping they do is I'm hoping they don't give up on the franchise entirely. You know, maybe do a few TV movies because I'd love to see I'd love to see Hayley Atwell play Agent Peggy Carter, leader of Shield. Yes, she, she becomes true, the first true, head of well, Shield, doesn't she? All of her, all of her, all of her life. Yeah, I just yeah. see what that looks like. Exactly, because that, that that's what that's what this was supposed to be building to, and I. Really you want to see that yeah you know and um it's one well as the boob windows because the boob windows yeah. are you know that that um britain Valente, she writes she writes our reviews for it yes you know, she's, yes and i i enjoy those immensely oh she's funny as hell you know some, some of the stuff she writes is really funny and the the observations of a uh, you know the, the little quip quip she brings out the amount of times that someone uses a fake american accent <laughs> stuff like yes. that you know it's just um you know the really sarky reviews, but they're they're actually good and they're pretty much bang on. Yes, I think. yes. Um, but I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the actress, the the the, the evil character, the so so the the alleged big bad this series. Mm-hmm. Yes, you yes. Know, another strong woman for Peggy Carter to go up against. Yeah, and um, my favorite comic book shows on right now, and this will this will tell you where my head is at, are Marvel's Agent Carter and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. You can kind of see the uh, the through lines. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's no bicycles in either. Well, this season they kind of start going toward there. Yeah, well, she did she did have a bicycle for a while, but then 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 it sort of got a bit inconvenient because she started sort of like walking all the way through it. <laughs> so um, it, yeah. it, it it went from being a solid bicycle to a holographic bicycle before you know, anything could actually happen. <laughs> I just hate it when that shit happens, don't you? Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I just I've been been enjoying it. Um, I don't like the tension between her and Sousa. No, I actually Susan. I'm I'm actually rooting for her. I mean, if they have to give us a triangle, I'm actually rooting for her and Wilkes, not her and Sousa. And yet, you get the feeling Wilkes will probably not survive, and she'll end up with Sousa by default. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping Sousa gets killed. He's, he's, he just, he's just a bit of a wet blanket. Yeah, he wasn't that way in season one, but they, they're, they're forcing it too hard in season two, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and lots of people are noticing it. It's definitely a weak spot in the narrative at this point. And um, also, the uh, the part the bald guy plays from Seventies Show, I can't remember the actor's name. Oh, yeah, I know what character you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Him, for me, a little bit obvious. Yeah. You know, so like, I'd, I'd rather have I've had somebody integral to Agent Carter's camp and then done it like uh, they did on Flash with the uh, with the reverse Flash. Yeah. They'd reveal that, yeah. you know, Dr. Doctor Wells was a reverse Flash sort of thing. I'd rather than gone that route with Agent Carter. On the upside, um, Dottie is back, the the uh, the proto Black Widow. Yeah, Bridget Regan. Yeah, and and uh, now, now there's this big question: Is she, you know, as as Britain points out in her review, is she really as bad as her painting is to be? Yeah. You know, yeah. could she actually be on 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 the side of the good guys? Yeah, and considering and considering that uh, Shield's fall is foreshadowed like nobody's business, and and we know that it eventually will fall, it would be very interesting if she ended up being. If not a good guy, at least sort of an anti-heroine. Oh, or so. kind of kind of a neutral party who sort of like jumps shit between each side that's winning at the time. A bit yeah. like, a bit like yeah. Italy during the Second World War. Yeah, <laughs> they never got they never even got involved with either side, but sort of like seemed to sort of like cozying up to whoever was winning the war at any given time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at least that's how history records it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's. Uh, 
it, it is a it is a truly interesting series, and I quite enjoyed the last series with the big bad. You know, the the uh, film actress. She's also the head of this scientific research division. And... No, they, they've done they've done very well with Whitney Frost. She's a she's a marvelous foil for Peggy, mm. and um and they and they've done and they've had some really great commentary on equality in that period. You know, in terms of racial equality, gender equality, all of it. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I've really really enjoyed it. And um, the the Butner guy, what's his name again now? It's not Jeeves. Oh, no, it's uh, Jarvis. Jarvis. I keep saying Jeeves. Exactly. That's, well, that's, because that's, what, that's what Dottie calls him. Yeah. Um, I I really like Jarvis. In fact, there there's a nod to the um, AI Jarvis in that uh, in Jarvis, in order to, to deter some of the bad guys, minions, uh, ends up installing an early voice-activated alarm system. Mm-hmm. What, what I like about Jarvis, he seems to be good at everything, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> so like, he's just sort of quietly good at everything. You know, he's you know, sort of like um, you know, he's a pilot. He's he's a, he's a crack shot marksman. Um, although he's not pre- he's not particularly good at um, at martial arts because Peggy kicks his butt. No, but he's like he's like the the com- the comedic version of Alfred in a lot of, in, a, in that way. You know, just the, the butler with a past. You know, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I thought the the scene in episode one where we meet Jarvis's wife for the first time was hilarious. Oh, it was marvelous! <laughs> I was glad to I was glad to finally meet Anna, and she has some very poignant scenes in the in these later episodes um, where she um, actually acknowledges the toll that because you know all of last year she didn't know about any of this, and and Jarvis finally told her this year, and she. And there is a very poignant scene in later episodes where she acknowledges the toll that's taken on her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I appreciated that scene. Yeah, I just appreciated how friendly she was with uh, with, with Peggy. Yes, yes. You know, because they, they could have been caddy and they chose not to go down that road. Yeah, yeah. They, they could have been caddy and that would have been the obvious route to go yeah. from, from a writing standpoint, you know. Yeah. Have, have the two bitches go at it. <laughs> But it, it makes sense that she that they want Peggy to meet Anna because we know that whoever she ends up marrying at some point in this process, Peggy does marry. Mm-hmm. And in order for her to reach the point, um, we find out in a flashback that she had been engaged but broke it off when you know shit hit the fan and became a spy instead. Yeah, that's what that's the episode that we've just seen here in the UK. Yeah, and um, so being married sort of might leave a, a the idea of being married might leave a bad taste in her mouth. And I think part, part of the joy of introducing Anna into the mix finally is that she's able to see marriage, you know, what what it actually looks like, and go and get to the point where she's able to go, oh yeah, I can do that. Because we know she eventually does. And not only that, the marriage between Peggy, between Anna and Jarvis is sort of like, it's pretty damn stable. It's wonderful. You know, it's wonderful. You know, because she, she, she's a, she's quite happy to let him go off with, with Peggy with no, no feelings of jealousy or, or concern that, that, that uh, Jarvis is going to stray. No, no. Her, she's got, she's got other issues. In, in, in later episodes, she starts to acknowledge, she acknowledges the danger he's in and the fact that she doesn't like that. Um, but she, but she, but she trusts him enough to to let him have his adventure. She recognizes that he needs it, and she trusts Peggy enough to keep and you know keep 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 her keep an eye out for him. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like it's a little bit too idealized, though. Don't, don't you think? It is, but there's got to be some there's got to be some stuff that's shorthanded. Plus, I'm sorry, but but there are so few stable married couples. That I'm so sick of the will they, won't they, and the and the and the tragedy and the and all and all of the stuff that they're basically doing on Arrow with Felicity and Oliver. I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. And I would just as soon even even if it is a little too treacly, I would just as soon take a little treacle at this point and have one more iteration of of Oliver and Felicity. I'm sorry, but Oliver and Felicity are just everything I do not like in these kinds of storylines. Yeah, well, Oliver and Felicity is sort of like, let's um, see, you know, Felicity is sort of like being with Oliver, she's being with the other guy, back with Oliver, then with another guy, get shot, back with Oliver. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, um, I just, uh, it's, it's just CW. <laughs> 
It's, it's CW. I mean, my biggest systemic problem with all of the CW shows is that they are CW shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'd probably be a lot healthier narratively or if they were on another network to start with. Yeah, but um, they'd probably be cancelled if they were on the other network that you're thinking of. This is true. Um, but, you know, the thing is, um, as April Neal, formerly April McIntyre of, uh, of Monsters and Critics, always said to me, the CW is the can't watch network. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can I can barely say that the, the, the only shows I watch on CW are are the DC superhero shows and I have to literally tolerate entire plot points because there's nothing else I can do. And Arrow is just the worst defender of the three. Mm-hmm. I'd say what premiered um, here this week in the UK, um, the um, the one the hundred. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't watch that one. Well that's actually a really, really good show. It's actually mm. but it's uh, you probably don't watch it because it's sort of like post-apocalyptic and you know yeah, dark I'm, I'm and over, it's not I'm your. Over that too. I'm but over that too. it's actually really well acted. It's well written. Uh, the 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 it's there's nothing Beverly Hills nine hundred two one e about it whatsoever. Cool. You know, so like it's um, it's basically you know so sort of like uh, actors that look up, look look of the age to be doing Beverly Hills nine hundred two one oh but actually um, you know playing quite quite mature roles. Awesome. Um, in in it, so it's um, it's actually really good series and uh, that started here in the UK this week um, so I'm quite pleased to see that back because I enjoyed the last series of that and we've got, mm-hmm. the, we've got the Shannara Chronicles starting next week on 5 Star. Well I don't watch that one but I've I've, um, I've heard that it's, it's good for those that are into that sort of thing. Well I like, I like fantasy stuff mm-hmm. so I'm going to give it a go see see how it goes and um, you know and, and, um, and um, report back maybe. I mean I think I know yeah. it's been airing in the States so we're probably behind on it uh, by, yeah, by a few yeah. weeks, but it's um, it's got John Reese Davis in, so yeah, that's that's yeah. a major sagging point right there. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to checking that one out. Um, Arrow and the Flash and uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I think they start here in early March, so they're mm. probably going to start the first week of March. I, I just it's really annoying me now that Sky One are waiting so long to actually show the series. You know mm. what I don't get is why is it they can show it a week after it airs in the states when when it first comes on in October or September, and yet when when they're returning it, they have to wait four weeks for it. To, you know to bring it back in 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 the uh, winter time after yeah, the I, winter I don't break. Get it. I don't it's, get it. it's just crazy. You know it's um I mean it's not doing the ratings any favors because you know people are going to be downloading it off bit torrent sites and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they're potentially doing themselves a lot of harm, and we're still like a whole year behind on Supernatural here. Oh God! You know, um, on but that, that said, it was that was originally playing on UK Living. It's mm. now on. It's now on E4, and E4 have actually whizzed through the uh, the the eleventh series season. I think it's eleventh season now, mm, and uh, yes. they're they're, draw, they're drawing that season to an end. So whether they're going to go right on season season eleven or season twelve or whatever, I don't know. I'm hoping they do. It's amazing considering they were supposed to end at season five when Kripke went or uh, walked away. Yeah, yeah well, so. well, basically the the, the, the story arc that Kripke did was conceived to be a five five season arc and 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 that was it but when 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 they ended it in 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 the uh, fifth season um Dean had pretty much I think it was no it was Sam had pretty much sort of like uh, gone to hell or purgatory or something because he, he, he died while 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 killing Lucifer mm. sort of thing and and Dean had Dean, Dean who'd had the tougher time of the two um started to have the opportunity to live a normal life mm. and, and and got married and stuff like that um so they did actually foreshadow the sixth season after that because they had Sam returning to watch over his brother and mm. and, and 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 they kind of ended the fifth season that way wow so but I, I just personally should think they should just kill killed Sam off in the fifth season because yeah, what what, ha- yeah. what happened as a result of that is season six through to about eight were really really weak. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's really found it's it's found its legs again. But one of the reasons it's found its legs again is basically because of the uh, you know because of the king the king of hell part line mm. with uh with our favorite actor from Firefly and Battlestar and and um, all oh, those shows. Yeah. Um, Mark Shepard. Mark Shepard. Yeah. He's, he's in everything. But then his father before him was in everything back in the day too. It's genetic. 
Mm, yeah, but I think Mark Shepard's actually probably more more, more, well, known. more yeah. well known and more well ingrained in popular culture than his father ever was. Mm. So I think his father was ended up he was in the unfortunate position where he was playing doctor of the week or lawyer of the week sort of thing and he didn't really get any sh- didn't really get a shot at recurring characters no he didn't as you know where, whereas mark shepherd seems seems to have you know made, made a bit of a career out of playing recurring characters yeah i mean how he was even in um he was even in white collar for a, for a, for a few episodes mm. you know and that, that, that and that's about as far removed from science fiction as you can get Yes, yes. Yeah, so that's that. You know, we've got Shinara coming up in the UK, and um, hopefully by the time we record the next show, I will have seen the first episodes of Arrow, Flash, and, um, and Legends Legend. of Tomorrow. Legends. You're really going to like Legends. The first episode is, is exposition heavy because there's a lot of setup to be done, but it, it improves, and the character dynamics are really marvelous. They have a large cast, but they're doing about as well as I've seen of balancing cast uh, cast and character interactions so that you get a good mix and and see some really interesting compare contrast character dynamics well, we've got the uh, next week uh, next first day about eight o'clock they're gonna be showing uh, a half hour preview of legends of tomorrow mm. on sky one i just wish to just get on and show the bloody thing already i don't want a yeah. preview just show the damn shop yeah you know mm-hmm. um because i'm quite looking forward to it as you say so i'd be interested in see see because they're, they're not like mainline dc characters no Although they're slowly becoming mainline just because of the development and the, and the fact that they're being, being given time to actually tell a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's quite wonderful. I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and it's, it's, it's better than it was, but it's like I said, it's not as good as Agent Carter. And I'm... It is better than it was, but it's still kind of soapy. Yeah. And it's really weird because that Nick Blood, who plays, uh, play, plays uh, Mockingbird's boyfriend. Husband. Husband. Yeah. Sort of Ex-husband, yeah. Um, I've been watching the uh, Sky One sitcom called Trogged, which is about a supermarket. And Nick Blood, before he before he went to join Agents of Shield, he was a, he, he had a regular role in in Trogged oh, wow. um, as, as a butcher with Mark Addy. And him and Mark oh, Addy, wow. him and Mark Addy were quite funny together. Yeah, and I can't get over how different he looks. <laughs> just yeah, shit, I'm just, I'm just sorry that they're actually thinking about doing a Mockingbird um, spinoff. Because those characters are not that good. They're not. I mean, they're they they're, they're good for they're good for expositional purposes, but you know, I can't really see see them being strong enough to carry it on its own. No. Um, I mean, Coulson's a good character. Well, he's he's awesome, and I and I love Clark Gregg the bits. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Agent May's kind of okay as a character. Yeah. I don't, but I wish the actress would sort of like uh, learn a few new facial expressions. Yeah, she 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 gets better. You know, it, it, when when we see flashbacks or something happens with maze and motions we see some some depth but yeah the characters yeah. kind of kind of one note she's kind of like stony faced when she when she's agent may mm. um no the the uh the two the two the scottish and the english characters in in it are quite are still cold in my interest yeah they're they um they're they're a kind of mixed blessing they've, they've received a lot of development it's just not necessarily the development i would have liked yeah, I think they just need to get them together and get it over with. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and maybe have one of them kill the other one or something. Uh-huh. So it's on it's... Like, tragic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, if they get together, it's not going to end well, in it. No, it's not. You know, just by just by virtue of the fact of the amount of tension that the building between the two characters is not going to end well. No, and and part of my issue with the soap opera plot lines is the fact that they are soap opera plot lines and they're designed to be drug out. Um, I, I would actually appreciate it if some of the characters actually went off into the sunset and just mm-hmm. that was the end of the arc and they got together and that's okay. And they didn't bring them back because they were and happy. They didn't and... bring them back. <laughs> yeah, you know. Know, they, 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 they drag and reiterate and, and, and reboot these storylines so many times you just don't care anymore. I mean, it's like, and that's one of the, that's one of the reasons apart from my vision issues why I'm not overly fond of comics. I don't like retcons and reboots. 
It's like if you've reached the point where you need to redo what you wrote, just go write something else. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I don't. Uh, it's insulting to me yeah, to I have just, to constantly, you know, rejigger all the stuff when you've already done it. I've I've stopped following ongoing comics now. I tend to uh, just follow miniseries, comic book mm. miniseries. Um, oh well, that said, a tongue I have actually been following the Star Wars comics since I bought it back, and that's actually uh. proving to be pretty interesting. Um, but it's sort of like um, I don't really have much time for it um, certainly not as much time as I had you can say it's expensive and B I'm getting I've, I've got a big pile of comic books in, in, in my closet that I don't know what to do with yeah it's, just, it's expensive I'd only read them once and I've got vision problems you put it all together and you know I'm extremely selective so. uh-huh. and um, I mean I'm, I'm enjoying the Dark Archer the Arrow Dark Archer comic written by John Barrowman I'm, I'm three issues issues into that they're still in this they're still in the table setting phase from what it looks like every four issues is going to be a sub arc it's 12 issues all together and they're still on the table setting phase um and it looks like they, they're probably going to have some soap elements in there but it, overall it looks like it's still going to be stronger than some of the actual show by the time i'm finished well, i think they're going to have to have a few few soapy elements in in it because it's 12 issues so they probably yeah. need to pad it out a little bit um, yeah. Whereas may- maybe it should only be six issues. Yeah. <laughs> by-, by the time you take all the soapy elements out, sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's about it for this week. Um, our um, our interview coming up now is with uh, Kyle Cassie, who plays the role of Gavin Merchant in Deadpool, and um, you know. Those that know their Deadpool comic books will know who Gavin Merchant is in Deadpool comics. Um, those that don't, just check Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a brief role, but you know, um, he has lots of interesting uh, stuff to talk about um, in terms of Deadpool, in terms of his time on um, on shows such as uh, Stargate and Andromeda, and a few other things he's done, as well as a, a horror film that he's currently working on called Puppet King. So, you know, I hope you guys uh, in, enjoy that interview because it's coming right up. Hey, yeah, I wanna shoot, baby. Kind of lonesome back here. Little help here. Excuse me. Woo. Dopinda. Cool. Dead. Why the fancy red suit, Mr. Pool? Oh, that's because it's Christmas Day, Dopinder. And I'm after someone on my naughty list. You're probably thinking, this was a superhero movie, but that guy in the suit just turned that other guy into a kebab. Surprise. This is a different kind of superhero story. To tell it right, we gotta take you back before I squeezed into red spandex. Mr. Wilson. You've recently been diagnosed with terminal cancer. We can fight this. What if I told you we can cure you and give you abilities most men only dream of? I'd say that you sound like an infomercial, but not a good one. I'd like to welcome um, Kyle Cassie to the show. He's an actor and a filmmaker, I believe. Um, who's um, had a string of uh, roles in, in many science fiction fantasy projects as, as well as sort of like TV projects that you know people will know about. So Kyle, welcome to the show, dude. Good hello, hello, you. thank you for having me. And it's it's cool having you on. I mean, so like, I guess the first thing I'd like to ask you, um, because I kind of read a bit on your bio about this. Uh, but, you know, it'd be great to hear you talk about it anyway. Is, uh, how did you actually get into acting? Right. Well, I, uh, I, I kind of discovered it in high school. Uh, I believe it was grade 11. It was a really good acting class. Um, our drama teacher at the high school was just an excellent, excellent teacher. You know, he had a career as a, a, a theater actor for a long time, you know, in the union. Just, just a really skilled guy. And so I took this one class and just very quickly discovered that I have a great, great love for uh uh, for acting, I did a number of uh, theater plays um, through the rest of high school, and then a number outside of high school as well. And then um, after that, I, you know, I was considering getting into the film business, which is obviously the big exciting thing I wanted to do. But uh, I was a little bit afraid of it. You know, I heard some horror stories about how crazy and hard the business is. So I was kind of, you know, just procrastinating about jumping in. Um, sure enough, when I was 19, um, I was in a very big uh, car accident that actually uh, uh, ended up taking my life. And then um, then they managed to revive me uh, and save me. And then I spent you know a number of weeks in a coma um, to which I woke up from and then was just so crystal clear about how precious and short this life is and how fast it can be taken away from you at any given moment. 
And so for me, that just completely clarified the fact that I've got to give it a shot. I got to jump into this film thing and, and, um, you know, see how it goes. And sure enough, I haven't looked back once and it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Well, you know, from what I've seen, you seem to have landed a uh, roles in, in a lot of science fiction and horror shows. Do you actually gravitate to those sort of projects or is it just kind of more because those are the things that have been produced uh, a lot in the last few years? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be uh, science fiction and there's always going to be horror movies made. Uh, you know, horror films are the number one selling genre in the world outside of, of course, porn. And yes, it is an actual statistic, but... Um, yeah, so th those films will always be there. Uh, I do love horrors, and I love really good sci-fi. Um, there's obviously bad versions of horrors and sci-fis and all genres out there, but uh, when a project is good in those genres, it really is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, what, one, one thing, and this is a big talking point for you at the moment, is uh, you've recently had, a, had, had an appearance in the... Uh, movie Deadpool, which has been a huge, huge success. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely been, a, been a cool little ride and, and obviously an incredible film. Mm -hmm. how, how did that actually come about for you? you know, and um, what, what was it like for you to uh, share the screen with Ryan, Ryan Reynolds? Because you, you, you actually, I know it's a brief role for you, you, you actually shared, shared, shared a silver screen with that guy. So Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I auditioned for it in Vancouver, um, British Columbia, uh, Canada, which is, of course, where I grew up and where I'm from. But, um, you know, I auditioned for it, uh, uh, you know, the same way you audition for any part in Vancouver, because that's, of course, where they were uh, going to be shooting it. And, um, and I did that just before I moved to Los Angeles. And then, of course... Got the part and, you know, flew back to do it. And uh, it, it was nothing short of just a wonderful, fantastic experience. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is such a gracious human and so extremely talented and so on his game, just completely in control of his, uh, you know, his his talents. I mean, it was just a, it was a rush for sure. I mean, of course, you know, Deadpool was uh, they've been trying to make this movie for a few years now. And, you know, they finally got it done. <laughs> Yes. Well, I was talking to the, uh, one of the writers, uh, Rhett Reese, on set, and, you know, he kind of, it was the first time I'd uh, heard of this, but he explained that it had been, I, I think, a six or an eight, possibly even longer, uh, uh, a journey for them uh, with Ryan Reynolds trying to get this thing made. And it really did sound like they fought very hard to get it made the way they wanted to get it made. And I'm sure that's partly why it took so long. I don't know for sure. But uh, it was really cool to kind of, just, uh, you know, see that a journey that uh, had been going for so long for something so special actually got to uh, got to come alive. Mm -hmm. well, when you actually went up for the role, were you, was you actually aware that the character that you, you'd be playing is actually something like probably the only, it's the only instance in the film where, where they're actually duplicating something from the comics? Yeah, again, I, I uh, didn't even know this until, you know, the writer explained he, that there was a lot of pressure on our scene because it was basically the only scene that had been pulled from the comic book. So he's like, no pressure, guys, but let's, you know, let's, uh, let's make it work again. Sure enough, we uh, just started shooting. They, you know, we're all just like, you know what, guys, you're knocking it out of the park. It's just so fun. And um, I think everyone's going to be really happy. And it's always good to hear that on set. And it's fun to just play. You know, Reynolds was great to play with. He had a lot of stuff happening for him in the scene and he was just just awesome at all of it and uh, yeah it's great to get to do a little back and forth have some fun mm -hmm. um what was you know what was it like on the set was there you know obviously in that particular scene wouldn't be in any any room for improvisation um at all well we actually you know we we did play a little bit obviously the script is genius and you know we wanted to stick to that but there were some moments, you know, at the end of the scene where we would just kind of play a little bit, um, you know, organically. And that's that's always so exciting when that is able to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just a little tiny bit of that made it in. So that was really fun. Uh, the set itself was obviously, you know, the best of the best all kind of working together. Um, almost all of the crew was from Vancouver. Vancouver's 
so full of amazingly talented crew, uh, which is also partly why all these huge budget films get brought uh, to Vancouver, among other reasons. But it was cool just to work with people we knew all kind of looking at each other going, wow, we're, we're on this thing. It's awesome. And, uh, and just had fun. It was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, Canada's come a long way since the 80s because I remember, you know, but, you know, I, I was actually still live back in 86. <laughs> Wow, when, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's like, um, I'm, I'm still alive now. <laughs> but right. the, the, uh, I remember, sort of like, MacGyver, the, you know, that, that started out in Los Angeles and around about 86 or 87, they moved it to Vancouver or, or Toronto or somewhere to film in Canada. And around about the same time, they started with with Twenty One Jump Street, and that was kind of like the beginning of the um, of the TV industry, sort of like Vancouver. migrating to Vancouver. <laughs> so it's 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 amazing to see see how far all that's come. Absolutely, it's it's been neat to see some of the biggest budget films, uh, you know, that get made get brought to Vancouver, and also repeatedly, and of course, it creates so many jobs for crew for cast. Um, it's really, uh, really great to see that Vancouver can be such an important and uh, strong and confident infrastructure to service these massive films. Mm-hmm. And of course, got a nice little segue here because I just mentioned MacGyver. You actually kind of, you know, got to got to, um, if anything, appearing something with him. Um, slightly early on in your career when you played yes. um, an Arondin soldier in the much missed Stargate SG One. Um, of course, yeah. I actually did two uh, uh, episodes of Stargates, which were, I think, two years apart. So, of course, you know, many people uh, would forget about the first one. The first one was also one of my first roles. It was quite small and um, and obviously always fun. But, um, yeah, Stargate was a blast to work on. It was really uh, fun to watch um, Richard Dean Anderson because he's such a character, uh, you know, off uh, off the screen in between takes. It's quite funny. Cool. Did you get to hang with any of the cast um, on, on, on that? You know, obviously the first time, maybe not, but maybe the second episode. Did you get to know any of the um, other cast? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, uh, Christopher Judge, uh, I, I knew him a little bit outside of the show, just, you know, in town, obviously. He lived there. Um, so he's a super, super sweet guy. It was great to, uh, you know, see him every once in a while out and about. Um, and then, of course, uh, I met uh, Amanda Tapping, a little bit more uh, on a friendly level when my significant other did a wonderful show with her called Sanctuary cool. uh, a few years ago. Yeah, that I, I actually, you know, I've actually interviewed Amanda Tapping a couple of times when when Sanctuary was on the air, um, along with a few of the other casts from that show. You know, so it was a great show, and um, you know, the, the cast seemed to have a great chemistry with each other. Yes. Well, my significant other is Emilia Ulrup, and she, of course, spent a lot of time with uh, Amanda Tapping, uh, playing her daughter. So, uh, and and yes, nothing but great stories from that experience. Yeah, um, unfortunately, um, Amelia was killed off at the end of the first season, right? Yes, that's correct. Very, very sad that that happened. Yeah, you know, so like, um, I think I think um, a lot of the fans were so like, uh, you know, really caught up about that. Yes, I think so, and and it was a very strange decision, and who knows why it happened, but it uh, was very sad, and there was definitely worldwide uproar about that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing you was involved with, um, and this is also quite an early role for you, is um, you you had a role in in Andromeda, which was was it, it was a recurring role. Yes, uh, yes, I had a recurring role. I played a guy named uh, Occam Sembler, who was a bartender of this uh, groovy sci-fi bar. Um, in this, uh, on this, uh, it, it was season five, so the world was very dry and, and desolate. I believe it was a desert planet of some kind, and of course, uh, you know, very Mad Max in feel. And uh, it was, um, yeah, I was a bartender who sort of brought uh, a bit of a through line through some of the characters and, you know, the, the guy everyone wanted to talk to when they come back from battle kind of a thing. Uh-huh. So you use the guy that they poured all their troubles out to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so getting on something a little bit more recent is um, you was involved in uh, Lost Boys 2, which was a film that mm-hmm. I, I never thought would be made, given how, how, how good and precious the first film was. Of course. I think a lot of people wondered that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, how, how do you get? How did you get your fangs into that one? Because I think you played a vampire. Yes, um, I mean that was such a fun, fun film to make. Um, obviously, they shot it in Vancouver as well, which is how I got on. But it was just a blast. Just so many different crazy things happening through the course of that film, and it was it was a lot of fun. Really good group, uh, really fun director as well, PJ Pesh. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I, sh- I should imagine, you know, given that you're a bit of a fan of horror films as well, you probably, you know, you probably remembered the first one and quite enjoyed the, you know, the. Oh yes. You know, like yes. That. Yeah, the so, first one was amazing, and yes, I am also a huge, huge fan of horror films for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you didn't survive it. You didn't survive from Lost Boys three, though. No, that's right. I died a very, very gruesome, terrible death <laughs> in the second one. There was no room to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, as as an actor, what would you say attracts you to uh, any given role? And is there actually a role that you'd love to have a go at? Yes, so that's that's a good two-part question. Um, first part, I'm definitely attracted to, more than anything, to characters that are uh, deeply flawed, multi-layered, um, you know, whether it be in a comedic genre or uh, a very intense dramatic genre, you know, like a horror or a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love characters that are you know, fighting great resistance along the way through the story, characters that don't have it easy. Um, and I also like characters that are big characters, you know, whether it's the, some kind of a dimwit uh, fool in more of a comedic thing or, uh, you know, a really nasty villain in something more intense and serious. I, I really love playing the extremes. Um, and the second part of your question, uh, is there something I'd love to play that I've never gotten a chance to yet? And that is, yes, I, I'd love to play a really, really unfortunate uh, underdog character. You know, someone who's terrible at life, someone who's socially very inept and, and scared of, you know, people. Just just a real, um, just a, a really kind of a pathetic uh, uh, subservient, weak kind of a guy, and I don't really ever get to audition for that. And someday I will write that character for myself, and <laughs> just so I get to play it. Cool. Um, as a, as a second, as a third part to that question, is there actually is there anyone song like if you if you could uh, play in a biopic of someone? Uh, who would it be, you know, from, oh, from history? That's very interesting. I'd almost like to play Sean Penn in the biopic of his life. That would be very cool. He's just a, a really interesting, kind of a nutty character, and uh, that's someone I could get a kick out of playing for sure. Mm. Most you get to hang with Madonna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Mm. I'm just wondering who you could get to play Madonna in that. Let's see. Let's think about that. How about... Um, Oh, uh, you know who I'm thinking is, um, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, Elizabeth McCarthy. Hmm, not, no. that, that'd be interesting. No, am I getting that name wrong? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so like... Uh, Some, someone great would have to play. Someone someone who's awesome, for sure. Yeah, and you'd, you'd also have to what's be... McCarthy? Melissa McCarthy, that's what I was Melissa McCarthy, yeah. As, as on Elizabeth McCarthy, I was trying to think, in, you know, is that that porn actress or something? Yeah, she's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, you know who should really play Madonna, if I really think about it, is Amelia Ullerup. She's got jobs. Yeah, and plus, plus you, you know, with you being with her being your uh, partner, you wouldn't even have to hire. That's right, exactly. <laughs> you know? That'd be an easy one. Bingo, saving money on production right there. Yes. <laughs> um, I read somewhere that you also played the piano and um, you, you trained as a musician. Uh, do, do, mm-hmm. do, do, do you do any musical projects still outside of the acting? Uh, are you in any bands or anything like that? No, I'm not in any bands. I I, uh, I used to have a piano uh, in my house that I would often just play, practice, compose. And for me, it's a huge, huge, huge love of mine that I haven't been as in touch with uh, the last few years as I would like to. Um, I think someday soon I would like to grab myself a piano again just so I can revisit that great love of mine. Um, yeah, something I, I really enjoy. I started when I was seven and played all through my, you know, uh, teen years and then uh, did, did a lot of classical and then started, you know, playing some pop stuff, learning how to compose jazz and, and that. But, um, yeah, it's just a really fun uh, uh, outlet for me, I guess you could say, creatively and, and otherwise. And um, I, I noticed that you've got a film in the works called uh, Puppet Killer. Yes. Um, 
you play role the role of Ni in that. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Because obviously, it's still, according to IMDb, it's still still shooting. It's still well, yes, principal photography has finally wrapped. I'm sure they just need to update it, but uh, they're in post production now. Um, that that film was a really really a lot of fun. It, it's a very different uh, concept uh, in that uh, all of us lead actors are grown adults, and of course we're playing high school kids. So it's a bit of a an interesting sort of leap outside the box uh, creatively that way. Um, and then on top of that, the script itself is is so much fun, and it's uh, a wild romp in the woods, thrilling, crazy, horrific stuff happens. Um, you know, there's a mystery and, and all kinds of good stuff um, that happened to the characters along the way. It was just a blast. And I have to say it was a real pleasure working with the Saska sisters, who are obviously so talented and, you know, gurus of all thing horror. Um, but it was just a blast. They they really were great. And, of course, uh, Lisa Ovier, the director, did a great job as well. Cool. Um, I hope there weren't any uh, puppets uh, harmed in the production of the film. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they took great, great care to guard the the you know safety of this this puppet this very cute very sweet very malicious puppet <laughs> yeah it's not like um you know I, i'm a bit of a fan of horror myself but i kind of like the, uh, the the kind of hokey fully uh smasher films you know such as a uh, child's yes. play and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i i also like psychological horror yes you know, that's like, my favorite uh subgenre absolutely yeah. Um, but you know, it's um, I think think you know, as you say, it's 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 um, the second most popular genre in film and television there is. Absolutely, and, you, know, you know what my favorite horror film of all time is? Go for it, Jacob's Ladder. Oh wow! <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, that was a uh, Tim Robbins, right? Yes. Uh, yes, that, that, that was just incredibly freaky. Yeah, incredible film. So when I was in my coma when I was 19, I was living a, a, a life for three weeks that I actually thought was my real life. I didn't realize I was in a coma. And you know, I remember every bit of it. And the feeling and a lot of the things that happened in that world were quite parallel to the film Jacob's Ladder. Um, so it was really interesting. And I definitely feel, feel a connection to that film. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the current batch of TV shows that are currently airing um, and being made in, in Canada, um, mm-hmm. is, is there actually anyone that you'd love to book a role on? Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, there's so much amazing TV out there these days that it's it's almost impossible to pick a favorite anymore. Um, I, I'm just going to say one uh, to mind right away. Um, a show that uh, we just finished watching called Bloodline, which was quite, quite good with one of our favorite actors whose name is Ben Mendelsohn. Um, cool. that, that was quite a good show. We love, you know, we love Homeland. Um, I'm a huge fan of Ray Donovan. House of Lies is amazing. I, I actually probably would love to jump on House of Lies. Um, I'd love to have a bit of a story arc and really play with those guys. It's just uh, such an adrenaline ride. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, I haven't, and um, you know maybe it's something I should check out. I mean, the, the trouble it's a is, wild ride. the trouble is, is so, as you say, there's so much good stuff on, and uh, yes. you know I love watching the Flash and the Arrow sort of thing. Mm. But yeah. I've, I've, I've just hooked up with a show called Vinyl. Oh yes, we're about to start that. Um, and I, I kind of watched the uh, pilot episode of that last night. Um, so there's there's lots of different different genres and subgenres sort of thing. It's kind of hard to keep on top of everything. I've not even watched Ray Donovan yet. Oh, I was, that's another one uh, I was going to mention. That's just a great great show. Slow Burn, just awesome. Mm. But that's a show that I've not not hooked up with yet, and um, I really should because uh, a friend of mine, uh, she right she runs uh, Monsters and Critics. She's kind of like the editor, and he used to okay. write for that site. Uh, she recommended that I, that I check out Ray Donovan, so I must check that one out. Yeah, it's a great show, and what's fun about it, too, is he's like a fixer, a guy that fixes, you know, really bad problems that famous people and important uh, people have gotten themselves into in, in L.A., so it's it's really cool, and he's kind of a thug, but he's, you know, very clever, and uh, it's it's a good show. I think you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'll be sure to check it out. I mean, that's all I can. I'm actually recording a lot of stuff um, at the moment just to watch during the summer. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Because I only have time to, you know, because of the music and everything else, um, there's not really much time left for TV. 
Exactly. So I kind of, you know, what I don't manage to watch in in the winter, I just record and try and watch it during the summer. Yeah, exactly. And And that's great. And what's cool, too, is you know that whenever you do have time to pick up a show, uh, uh, you know that it's always going to be good because there are so many good ones out there. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, what's even better is, is uh, never really very much on in the summer. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it kind of it kind of works out uh, for you. Um, from what I've been able to um, glean from your website, you're also a filmmaker as well as an actor. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of launching a, a I guess you could call it a career beside my acting career um, as a filmmaker. I mean, I started uh, editing films about eight years ago, started with a short film because we'd, a few of us friends got together, shot something, our editor fell off the project. So I just taught myself how to do it so we could get it finished. And uh, sure enough, very quickly found a, a huge love for what editing is and pulling all the pieces of a production together to bring it to life and, and send it out into the world. So I edited a number of shorts. Uh, I've since edited four feature films as well, uh, three of which are being released this year. Um, actually, one really fun one that I uh, would love to plug, it's called Blackburn, and it's starring Amelia Ulrup along with some other great people. But that's definitely one to look out for. That should be out very soon. Cool. On iTunes and VOD. Yeah, Blackburn. Lots of fun. It's a crazy horror. I, I just have such a great love for the uh, for telling the visual journey and being an editor for so many years now. Um, it's informed the the young director in me that wants to come alive and start shaping stories the way I, I feel like the voice inside of me wants to shape them. So um, that's the next bit. Uh, I'm always creating uh, my own projects with Amelia, and we've got some pretty neat stuff that we have in development right now. So um, let's let's hope that in the next couple of years, some cool stuff has been able to come out and uh, and and touch the world with uh, what will hopefully be super fun. Filmmaking brilliance. <laughs> well, you know, you never know. I mean, so like uh, a couple of years' time, I could be talk- talking to Kyle Cassie, uh, Oscar nominee or Oscar winner. Hey, what you said right there. Let's let's do that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I'll be sure to try and book the interview once that happens. You know. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, is really, you know, obviously, uh, you know, as you say, you're a big, big horror fan. Um, but you know, as a film production company, um, you know, if you, if you, if you, so, like, manage to get this thing up and running and um, and stuff like that, is it is is there any sort of like, specific type of project that you'd like to try and book yourself for? Uh, that I would like to make myself. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, psychological horror. Um, I'd say slasher horror, but I, I definitely, along with Amelia, who we, you know, we co-create together, but we were definitely big fans of, you know, a project and a story that will challenge the mind along the way, not just a simple whodunit, but something that goes a little bit beyond, uh, the norm, maybe jumps outside the box creatively and psychologically. I mean, that's, that's what we're really, uh, driven by right now. Um, but we also love, you know, uh, comedic projects that just are so rich with character, mm-hmm. you know, really bizarre, wild characters in crazy situations. So that's another genre that we definitely would like to play inside. Okay. Well, Kyle, it's been really nice speaking to you and uh, I wish you the best of luck with, uh, with everything. Um, Thank you. And you as well. It's been great talking with you, Ian. This is Mark Wade. Hi, this is Amanda Tapping. Hello, I'm Steve Pugh. And you can catch them all right here on SFP Now. And that draws to a close uh, the, this episode of SFP Now. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Kyle Cassie for uh, joining us. Um, I'd also like to thank our good friend uh, Holly um, from Hollywood Publicity for uh, helping us out with, with that one. Um and on top of that, I'd like to also thank Risa for sort of like stepping up to the plate and uh, being able to sort of like uh, consistently, pretty much, be relied upon to come on the show at some t- uh, on some occasions where it's actually being very, very short notice. Um, um, we've got a great show coming up next week. Um, Craig and I are going to be giving you our thoughts on Deadpool. Although obviously we're a bit late to this party, but. We're going to be giving you our impressions on the film and um, and and stuff and and um, 
you know, hopefully we're going to have a re- another really great interview for you guys as well. Uh, don't forget to check out other um, shows on um, SciFiPulseRadio.com. Uh, we've got Genretainment, which is hosted by Marts and his wife, Jimmy Pyle. And they do um, they do do a great you know show where they they feature quite in depth interviews with uh, writers, producers, and uh, you know film filmmakers, um, and as well as people that work on work on web series and and comics and books and what have you. So um, so, so be sure to check those shows out because they do some really great work. Um, you know, in fact, you know, I, I've I've kind of like uh, got got a photograph of Marts in his red jumper on on my wall here. It's kind of like an altar sort of thing. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> but um, that's about all for this week. We'll be back at you next week. Bye for now.